This feature is brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. COVID-19 has had a negative impact on gender-based violence. The Solidarity Fund has identified GBV as one of its focus areas and has partnered with various organizations to assist with medical and psychosocial services, PPE, and access to shelters. To get help, call the National GBV Command Center on 0800-428-428 or visit the National Shelter Movement's website on nsmsa.org.za. Brought to you by the Solidarity Fund. Unity in action. So the Solidarity Fund's conversation today is going to be under the hashtag Solidarity for GBV. And South Africa ranks amongst the worst in the world when it comes to gender-based violence and rape statistics. And the reported cases do not even count for the picture, the fuller picture. As we commemorate National Human Rights Day as a country, we ask about the children today. Dr. Shahida Omar is the CEO of the Teddy Bear Clinic. Joining us on the line this afternoon, Dr. Omar, thank you so much much for making the time to talk to us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and all the listeners. Thank you. I I believe you're going to be taking part in the Defend Our Democracy protest outside the Constitutional Court um, this afternoon. And and this is in particular uh, standing up for the rights of children. Indeed. I think, you know, so many years after the democracy and looking at the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, which is not being upheld. If we just look at our current situation years after democracy, uh, we are finding that children do not have access to basic, their basic rights are not being met. You know, food, shelter, education, health care. In this day and age, as we speak, we are seeing so many children who are suffering from malnutrition, the food insecurity, families that are suffering from deprivation of the basic lower order needs. And I mean, this is a crime against humanity. Just looking at sanitation and access to water, which is an absolute essential right. And we are finding that children are still not having access to that or direct access and, and families continue to suffer. And this is something that we cannot sit there, condone, or turn a blind eye to. We need to stand together in solidarity mm-hmm. and defend our democracy. These are our future leaders, our future nations. And, and yet we speak about violence. You so articulate, uh, eloquently articulated South Africa being as one of the most violent uh, or ranked as one of the most violent nations mm-hmm. in the world. And then, of course, we know one of the risk factors or the contributing factors is poverty, unemployment, and, of course, people not having uh, access to their basic rights. We're finding that the divide between the have and the have-not is just growing wider and bigger, and, of course, we cannot allow this to continue. The problem, and and I think you've mentioned it, is that there is a structural problem here. Um, When you speak to government, they'll tell you about all the other initiatives that have been put in place to to help young people, to help children, to help women, um, especially now during COVID. They're obviously not doing enough, um, these programs and these funding uh, programs. What, in your view, then needs to happen going forward? So you've, you've, you've stated it correctly because it's fragmented. The responses are fragmented and 
government departments are working in silos. Mm. You know, coordination, collaboration is key. And we're finding that often civil society is taking on, assuming the responsibility and delivering what is expected of government. So what needs to be, you know, what needs to be done? Of course, action is long overdue. We cannot even talk about it now. We need to put things into place as soon as possible. The reality is that Government needs to put its ears and eyes to the ground and listen to the people on the grassroots because a lot of decisions, policies are made, you know, in the ivory towers. It's top down, it's bureaucratic structures. So it's quite flawed. And we need to give the voiceless a voice and put that into place because what government feels at the top or plans at the top is not always what is needed on the ground. And that there needs to be synergy. And there needs to be this mutual reciprocal flow of communication where people are actively heard and responded to. Mm. Dr. Omar, uh, if we just remove COVID for a second and you've said exactly what you've just said, it sounds to me like this is something you would have said two, three years ago still. So, so it's not landing. Why is that? And it's because people are not listening and I think the structural flaws in government and in state departments, and we look at state corruption, where that money could have been channeled into the basic needs to ensure that people could live with integrity and dignity and that children would not continue to suffer the violation. If we just look at the nutritional feeding schemes, and I mean, this problem is not new. Prior to COVID, it's pre-existing conditions prior to COVID because people have not taken heed of what should be done. And of course, people are not held accountable because if you look at justice and accountability, and that's one of the pillars that we speak to in the National Strategic Plan of Action under GBV in the Office of the Presidency, where people need to be held accountable for their actions. There needs to be justice. There needs to be economic empowerment. But there needs to be uh, prevention and, of course, uh, response, care and support. Now, we know that there has been a shift where the president announced at the end of, uh, at the end of March in 2020 uh, you know, uh, responding to the emergency response action plan and the people, well, government departments where law enforcement, uh, justice, and everybody has been, uh, you know, uh, assigned specific responsibilities, but it's still slow. Mm-hmm. The progress is not at the pace it should be. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a systemic flaw where, again, people are not communicating. People are working in their own little pockets. And that's what needs to break down where everybody starts working together and starts listening to the people and responding, asking them what they need, how do they need it. I mean, if we just look at the child support grants, we look at uh, the vulnerability of the elderly. People continue to suffer while those who are in higher structures and in bureaucratic structures are enriching themselves at the cost of the nation. Mm. So today's protest, what, what are you hoping specifically to achieve with the protest? Well, we're hoping to achieve the fact that more people will stand in solidarity, that it's 
you know what they say, Kinako, it's time mm. now. We mm. cannot wait. And we want the government to respond, but respond swiftly, appropriately, adequately to meet the needs of people on the ground, but also at the same time hold those responsible because actions have consequences and they need to pay back or they need to respond and ensure that corruption comes to an end and that people's basic needs are fulfilled and met. I I want us, if possible, Dr. Omar, to just give us a lived experience of, of what you are seeing on the ground. How bad is the situation? What are you seeing, actually, when you when you talk about the starving families and children? So thank you for asking that question. What we are seeing are families that are actually scraping the bottom of the barrel of rubbish cans, dustbins, people that had jobs before, that held themselves with a sense of pride, a sense of feeling good about themselves and providing for their children are now in a position where they have absolutely nothing and are sitting in shame, humiliation, mm. and, and actually asking for handouts, for food, mm. for essential items like mm. clothing, and some of them also struggling to ensure that their children can get to school because not being in a position to pay transport or transport their children mm. with you know, no school fees uh, are, are, are being uh, where they're being exempted from that, there's still other challenges where they're not able to provide the essentials for their child to have access to education. So the situation is very dire. And we also see as a result of that, people are suffering emotionally and psychologically. So the breakdown of the well-being of the family, disintegration on different levels, you know, on an emotional level, physical level, economic level, and then just a general sense of well-being, so eroding their self-worth and sense of self-esteem. It's almost as if they feel they are responsible for letting their families down and a kind of destruction of feeling of destroying uh, and, and feeling absolutely helpless, hopeless and powerless in the situation. <laughs> Is there a pathway that you're, you're using to guide those who want to intervene? Government, you're talking about government, uh, that you, you know, some of the things that can be done immediately. W- what are your suggestions? So the, the suggestion of the way forward is, which we are already all engaging with, is, uh, of course, engaging with government as a civil society lobby. We are engaging with government, looking at, you know, clear referral pathways, opportunities, to enhance the well-being opportunities to ensure that children are protected and, of course, looking at prevention, not just looking at intervention. Intervention is critical, but preventing, um, you know, children and families from suffering and, and what are the best ways in addressing this. So looking at this crisis, but turning it into an opportunity so that in the future, any disaster situation could be addressed, you know, in a more acceptable and less harming way, where it would still uh, inflict maybe some sense of harm, but people would be more equipped Mm. and would not suffer as they are currently suffering. What can someone like myself, an ordinary South African, do? Well, I think every South African needs to stand up, speak out. We need to break the silence. 
We need to take action and speak out and actually hold the powers that be to account. They need to deliver. And, you know, why is it that they're not delivering? It's no longer acceptable to say we are doing this, we are doing that. But it's, it's too little too late and I think that's what we need to hold people to account for. I know that you've got to go so let me just leave it there right now um, Dr. Omar thank you for, for making the time to talk to us and all the best with the protest this afternoon Thank you very much Dr. Shahida Omar is a CEO of Teddy Bear Clinic and they're on their way to the Constitutional Court uh, for a protest where they're calling it Defend Our Democracy uh, and protesting specifically for the rights of children 16 minutes after 2